0: This is The Sports Edge with Rick Wolf on your flagship station for New York sports. The Fan, Sports Radio 66 and 1019 FM, WFAN, New York. Hi, everybody, and welcome to this week's edition of Rick Wolf's Sports Edge. I am your host, Rick Wolf. You know, over the course of doing this show for years here on The Fan, I almost instinctively talk about public schools when it comes to kids and sports and maybe that's because I'm a product myself of a public high school or maybe because my own three kids all went to public high school as well but all that being said I'm well aware that there are other types of schools for student-athletes to attend whether they be private schools or parochial schools depending on a on a family preference and certainly for many sports parents uh, all over our listening area where where athletics are involved or revolve around their child's education, deciding on a private or a parochial school becomes, well, a very big decision. Among the variety of reasons, there's always a matter, of course, of cost. Private or parochial school tuition, on top of what a family is already paying in local school taxes, well, that's a real cost to be considered. But I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself. On this morning's show... I'm delighted to be joined by Kevin Piggott, who has served as the president of the Boys Catholic High School Athletic Association, the CHAA of the Archdiocese of New York, for the past three years. And, and if you aren't familiar with the Catholic High School Athletic Association, it consists of, of 19 schools in Manhattan, Bronx, Staten Island, and Westchester County, with, with the schools ranging as far north as uh, John F. Kennedy Catholic, up in Somers, and as far south as St. Joseph-by-the-Sea, In southwestern Staten Island, that's a pretty big spread of territory. Now, in addition, these 19 schools play a regular season intersectional schedule against with playoffs with, with schools from the Diocese of Brooklyn. And then, at the end of the sports playoff season, you have a true city Catholic High School Athletic Association championship between these two dioceses. Now, overall, there are 31 schools that compete. There are, as I said, 19 from New York uh, and 12 from the Diocese of Brooklyn. And there are 16 varsity sports, as well as uh, JV and frost teams as well. Now, about Kevin, Kevin's been involved with the uh, CHAAA for 32 years, including a long stint as the head varsity basketball coach at Fordham Prep for 24 years. He also serves as a head coach and camp director for the five star basketball camps, done that since 1990. Kevin, good morning. Good morning, Rick. I'm sorry to give that preamble, but you know, I never know if anybody is fully up to speed on the Catholic leagues and, and where they are and how many schools are involved. Uh, but the point is, it is extensive. They have a long, rich history. If anybody knows sports in the New York area, and obviously, Kevin, you spent a long time in this league as well, and I thank you for coming on uh, this morning. I, I have a bunch of questions for you. Well... Everything from the unique advantages and perhaps even disadvantages of a student-athlete playing in the Catholic League. And let me start. I mean, for example, we always keep hearing, unfortunately, about more and more of the Catholic high schools closing their doors due to financial constraints. Uh, Most recently over in New Jersey at St. Anthony's uh, with the legendary basketball coach Bob Hurley. Can you sort of clarify as to why this is happening and and also, do you think this downward trend is going to finally stabilize?
1: Yeah, I, I think it definitely will stabilize. There's no, no doubt about that. I think what's occurring is uh, a couple of variables uh, affecting Catholic education. One of them is the, uh, the number of, of the, the pool of possible applicants is going down there are less kids for uh, less kids choosing schools mm-hmm. and thus with the with with, with the catholic schools some of them unfortunately are the numbers are dwindling and so now you have to think about ways to effectively you know pay for, to have those kids in there and you know in new, you know northern new jersey for instance st anthony's uh, marist as well as uh, Queen of Peace, uh, all three of those high schools are closing due to low numbers of kids. Um, in the Archdiocese, we, we, we have that problem. We are always looking to, you know, at our schools. Uh, um, numbers do go down. Right now we're stabilized and we're doing well, but um, I think what's occurring is as, cert- as schools do close, um, it solidifies the other schools those kids end up going to those other places. And so I, I, I don't think it's going to kill Catholic education, uh, but like anything else, you have to be flexible and make changes.
0: Well, I'm glad you mentioned the fact, as I, I had heard and read about the fact that when, it, when, a, when a Catholic high school does shut down, obviously the students want to go to another school, uh, and, and a lot of that Affects the student athletes. I know, obviously, with St. Anthony's, they had some top basketball players. Of course, that's a basketball powerhouse for years. And now the question is, where do those kids go to continue their education, and obviously, to keep playing basketball? How, how does that play out, uh, you know, here in New York with the with the with the archdiocese?
1: Well, the way the metropolitan area is, I mean, it's easy for a kid who lives in Jersey to come over to New York um, to go to a school, mm-hmm. just as it's easy for a kid in Manhattan to go over to. Um, you know, Jersey City or or Elizabeth. You know, we have that same thing with Brooklyn, Queens, as well as, as Westchester. So, you know, with public transportation, it's not hard for kids to go different places. And so what ends up happening is that all the kids get recruited, so to speak, not just the athletes, but all the kids. I, I, I was just reading yesterday that Queen of Peace is going to have an open house uh, where Catholic, local Catholic schools are going to come in and just, you know, present, make their presentations to the kids who who are still in the school. And and that's what ends up happening, that kids have to make decisions as to where they're going to, you know, they're going to transfer. Obviously, if a school closes and, and a kid transfers to another Catholic school, he won't have to sit, for, you know, have that sit-down period. But, you know, a lot of the choices are made contingent upon the academics, geographics, as well as what athletics they have in that other school.
0: Now, do you oversee all of this? In other words, this sort of sounds, unfortunately, like it's a... Uh, college recruiting, uh, but at the high school level, because obviously they're all talented athletes, and a lot of schools want to jump into the mix and see if they can attract those kids to their program. So, is, is somebody overseeing all this? How this is done?
1: I guess technically, I'm overseeing all of it for the Archdiocese of New York myself and the executive board. We also have a committee that meets every year to uh, which I'm the chair of, which goes over all the possible tra- goes over all the transfer cases. Yeah. Uh, from the executive board of the CHSA of the Archdiocese, we do oversee and try to monitor all that's going on. I mean, recruiting itself is not a bad thing. Schools try to promote themselves and sell themselves. And if there's possible students out there that would be attracted to your school, you want to let them know that, hey, we're here, you know, contact us and, and, and we'll see what we can do.
0: Yeah, and, uh, you know, it's obviously an unusual situation uh, because, let's face it, it's, it's um it's not often that a high school will shut down, and obviously, particularly with the with the Catholic schools, as you mentioned, with it's Jersey, New York, they're fairly close by, but these are student-athletes who want to continue and go on to another uh, program and continue playing, in this case, basketball or other sports as well. Um, you know, let me ask you this, and my guest, by the way, is Kevin Piggott, who is the president of the Boys Catholic High School Athletic Association. Uh, you know, these days... In terms of finding qualified coaches, and I know Kevin, this must be whether you're coaching at a, at a or overseeing a, a Catholic program or, or a private school or, or a public school. It's got to be unbelievably difficult to find qualified coaches for your programs.
1: Yeah, you, you know it's interesting because I've listened to your show and, and I know that topic has come up, mm-hmm. um, and, and it's tough and. You know, uh, Catholic education, uh, in regards to coaching stipends, are probably lower than the public school stipends. So the, our coaches, it really is a labor of love. I, I know that the public school coaches, as well as all, all the other coaches, it is, you know, truly they're doing it because they love this sport and they sure. love working with the kids. But our guys and our, and our, and our ladies... Um, it, it, they're working, and it's more like they're they're volunteering their time. It's an extracurricular activity, and it's hard to find coaches. But luckily, from what I gather in the CHSA, from what I've seen, we we pretty much have qualified people doing the job. They know the sport, and they're educators. which is a big plus.
0: And and I and they have to uh, these finding these coaches is hard. And I understand what you're saying, but the stipends being a little less than the public schools, but. They're still, I, I presume, trained in CPR and first aid and concussion protocol and all that stuff as well.
1: Yeah, we have to. I mean, that's a state mandate, so we have to follow all that. And we're pretty, we're pretty uh, diligent about making sure your athlete, our athletic directors are, are, do a great job, and they make sure that everybody that's on their staff, be it the varsity head coach as, as well as a volunteer, go through all those protocols.
0: All right. Well, let me. Uh, Kevin, i got to take a pause here. we got to do some commercials and, and have an update from uh, Dave Uram. Uh, but when I come back, we'll continue our conversation with Kevin Piggott, the president of the Catholic High School Athletic Association. I have lots more questions. Stay with me. Back here on the Sports Edge, we're talking with Kevin Piggott, who is the president of the uh, Catholic High School Athletic Association and uh, here in the Archdiocese of New York. And uh, everybody knows who follows sports in the city, knows about the great tradition uh, of uh, these, this uh, association, this program. Now, now, Kevin, I have to ask you this. Um, you know, for years and years, every, even back when my own son was in eighth grade and was uh, a talented ice hockey player, he was actually approached by a, a coach, a hockey coach from a parochial school in the CHSAA about perhaps enrolling there as a freshman. And I recall at the time thinking to myself, gee, is this legitimate? I mean, for a hockey coach, uh, you know, from, from a Catholic school, is he is that OK for him to go out and actually talk to my son about going there next year as opposed to uh, his the local high school? So let me ask you very straightforwardly. Are coaches from the association allowed to go out and bring in student-athletes into their program? Are, is there any league rule or policy that outlaws this, or is it actually encouraged?
1: It's, it, it's encouraged to the extent that as long as they're not doing anything nefarious, offering kids money or, or anything like that. I mean, Catholic schools have to go out and recruit students, and they have to recruit students who want to be in the debate club and, and students who are interested in taking latin as well as students who want to play ice hockey or football. Mm-hmm. And so making contact with a kid is is okay. You know, there's prescriptions that we ask our coaches, you know, to follow as well as proscriptions as, as the things they can't do. But um, you know, just making contact is not a bad thing. You're selling your school. And in that particular case, you would like to think that the coach is selling the whole product, not just the ice hockey program, but, you know, come to our school, and this is the academics, and this is our service program, and this is our ministry program. So, you know, Catholic schools have to go and promote themselves. So there's nothing wrong with that.
0: It, well, is that is, is that a new, and forgive me, is that a new position about this? Because, you know, for years when I was talking about, for example, over in Jersey, and you talk to the, the, the football powerhouses like Paramus Catholic or Bergen Catholic, they would always deny that they recruited kids, even though everybody knew that that was going on. Or they would say, "Well, the coaches don't do it, but the alumni association will reach out to a kid or 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 stuff like that." So, is is this a new position for 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 the CHSA? I to don't take? think
1: it, I don't think it is. I, I think schools like Bergen Catholic and Don Bosco. I don't want to speak for another state, but I, I think they're in a different position than schools in New York City Catholic schools where. Mm-hmm. Uh, The schools in the Archdiocese, as well as Diocese of Brooklyn and Queens, when they're going out and promoting themselves and and, and recruiting kids, they're they're recruiting against other Catholic schools. So, you know, when you have open houses for students, it's always Catholic schools there, whereas um, uh, Don Bosco and and schools like uh, uh, Bergen Catholic, they're in public school areas. And so I think that they have to compete with public schools, and I think recruiting is always seems to be a bad word because public schools really don't do
0: any recruiting. Well, they don't have to because, obviously, that they're, just, they're limited by the school districts and whoever happens to be living in that school district.
1: Exactly. So, I mean, for the public school, their recruitment, I guess, is keeping the, schools, keeping the kids in the school and, and, and not letting them you know, leave the district. So it's a different situation. So I, that's where I think recruiting gets that negative connotation. But Catholic schools recruit all kinds of students into their schools.
0: No, I understand. I, I, obviously, we're focusing on sports today. Okay, but we know that, of course, that you're looking for top academic kids or kids who are who are theatrically gifted or musicians across the board. But just in the you know in, in the in the vein of sports because that's the one that usually makes the most headlines. Mm-hmm. Um, so I mean, so yeah, I mean, so you're saying, in effect, that that the Catholic schools because they. And is it because, in fact, by the fact that there have dwindling numbers, as you mentioned a few minutes ago, that the, the numbers are getting smaller?
1: I think so, yeah. We're competing against each other. And, you know, they have you know, even in the archdiocese, there have been school closings, Palatine and Rife High School. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, on the boys' side were the last two schools to close. So schools are really uh, trying to be effective and go out there and, and, and get kids to come in.
0: So let me ask you this, Kevin, if... Uh well, obviously, I know you've been at Fordham Prep for a long time. If there is some kid who is in eighth grade or is a terrific basketball player, and the kid's being courted by a number of the Catholic schools, um, I mean, is it are there rules or regulations as to how a Fordham Prep can go after that kid, as opposed to an Iona Prep or an Xavier? You know, are there any? Um, does the Archdiocese have any rules about this kind of thing or policies?
1: Yes, we do. I mean, and again, I used the word uh, before nefarious, you know, you're not going out um, and offering the kid any kind of financial inducement to come to the school Mm -hmm. or anything like that. Um, But you are trying to sell your school. So um, promote, I guess, is the best word here.
0: Okay.
1: But but we do have certain things that you can't do.
0: Well, now, uh, let me ask you about about the financial inducements, because obviously at some point, look, uh, parochial schools, uh... cost money uh... and and uh... i think that what the tuition at ford and prep these days is about eighteen thousand a year Yes. so how does that work with kids who are coming from a, a disadvantaged, uh... disadvantaged socioeconomic background and obviously can't afford to go to ford and prep how does that work in terms of scholarships academically or how, how i'm just curious because i know very little about how that process works uh, so do you do you sit down with a kid and is he filled out a form uh, or what happens with that
1: um, there's no just just to say this up front. There's no athletic scholarships to be given by the CHSAA. So it's either going to be a scholarship based on, on on academic background or a scholarship uh, financial aid based on need. So the kids all fill out financial aid papers like mm-hmm. you would do for college, right. as well as. Um, in some places, they go uh, they go on what they call the tax scores, the test that everyone take. I guess similar to the SATs mm-hmm. in college, as well as some schools give their own individual test out after they accept kids. They might give them their, their own particular test.
0: So I mean, well, how about I mean the academics? Uh, are, are there each school has its own academic uh, criteria for the kid to be admitted? Yes. Okay. And um, are there any? Um, that's the word I'm looking for. I guess the word is probably loopholes. If a kid, well, the kid is a you know seven foot four stud setter, but he's not academically gifted. Uh, can we still get him in under a loophole?
1: I would think that what the, what they would do is what financial. What's the family's economic background? Yeah. Do they really need that? I mean, I don't think there's a uh, school. Uh, schools want to make sure that when they're. Giving financial aid out to a kid that that kid is best suited for that school um, academically, and uh, in this day and age, I think schools are not just gonna really just give money out for kids who are just athletes. I think there has to be a, fin- a financial reason to give it to him. You know, does, is the, does the young man come from a financial situation that he couldn't afford it, um, or is the young man very good academically? And I mean, and that's documented. So yeah.
0: You know, Okay, but I, you know, and, and by, my my guest this morning is Kevin Pigott. Uh, he is the the president of the Boys uh, Catholic High School Athletic Association. Long time involvement in the the CHSAA. Uh, so, in other words, since it's all seen or, or, or goes through the system of admissions with uh, financial need of the family. Uh, it's it's is it I guess it's possible that let's uh, let's talk about basketball for a second. That pretty much the entire basketball team could all be on financial aid. Is that is that possible? Does that happen?
1: I, theoretically, I guess so. If you, if you had a bunch of kids who were you know super academic, um, uh, kids who after they graduate are all going to play at Princeton or Harvard or or go to West Point, or if the kids really you know have financial need,
0: so. Interesting stuff. Uh, And, you know, well, let's talk about this for a second, because I know, obviously, uh, the the Catholic League has a long tradition of attracting great basketball players. That goes back years. But now, Kevin, it seems that more and more of of these same basketball players are actually leaving uh, high school after the junior year to, to do a repeat year at a at a, you know, remote prep school. And and I gather the kids are doing that because they want to spend it another year to get bigger and stronger. But are there, is there something I'm missing here? I mean, why would they leave a top Catholic high school program, particularly in basketball, to go someplace to, a, like, New England prep school or a school down in, uh, like, the Hunt School in Jersey? Why would they do that?
1: That's a great question, you know, because sometimes I ask that to myself. You know, in the AA-CHSA basketball league, you're playing against some of the top competitions in the country. yeah. And so why would the kids, you know, leave? And I think part of it is um, kids more so these days have, and I want to use the word, I guess the best word to use is managers or, or people who are advising them. Maybe advisor is a better word. And I guess they see the prep schools as an avenue where they can get another year to get stronger and bigger, to get quicker, maybe to get better, another year to develop their academics a little bit more um and then also uh national schedules i think the kids believe that if they play a more national schedule they will be seen by more college coaches and and thus um their potential will, will you know the guys will see their potential and then maybe recruit them
0: Now, kevin you've been involved with basketball a long time and you've been involved obviously uh the five-star basketball camp you know for a long time you know do you think that's is that you think that's what's really luring these kids like, oh, we go to a a a more of a national program? Are they gonna play better competition than they're playing in the Catholic League? I mean is that make sense to you, or is that really is that just something the kids are being excited about because it sounds like it's different and new
1: i think i mean I think that's a great point on your part you know it, it, it is exciting it is different, it is new. I'm the kid from the neighborhood who's going away to the prep school, and i'm gonna you know i'm gonna be traveling you know at least a parts of the country. So that's a that's a great point, but it is it is a new phenomenon, and, and, and it seems more and more kids are doing it, even though in the last year or two, in the CHSA, it seems that we're keeping more kids home. You know, we lost a bunch of kids, and then all of a sudden, in the past year or two, it doesn't seem like it's hurting us as much.
0: Yeah, yeah. I I, I you know... Well, look, I um, I want to ask you also about the interplay with AAU basketball because I know they're obviously a major force these days when it comes to high school hoops uh, all over the country. But, of course, we got we got to take a break. Okay, when, when I return after the update, we will continue talking with Kevin Piggott, the president of the Boys Catholic High School Athletic Association. Stay with me. Hey, don't forget, at uh, 9 o'clock this morning, Ed Randall will be talking baseball, as he does every Sunday morning here on The Fan. Make sure you stick around for Ed and his wonderful interviews and insights on baseball. And as always, I invite you to check out my website at AskCoachWolf.com. Right now, we're talking with Kevin Piggott about Catholic high school uh, sports here in the the New York area, and uh, we're getting some great insights and thoughts from Kevin uh before the break Evan we're talking about the fact that you've seen this trend of, of talented basketball players in the CHSAA, you know, a lot for many years they were leaving after their junior year to go to prep schools, now they're sort of staying around. I'm curious what is the what is the role in the AAU in all this? I mean, are they the ones that are sort of driving the kids to go to prep schools or to go to other programs? Um, cuz AAU, you know, that's a pretty complicated monster.
1: It is, and I think that's a great word to describe and complicated. Because when you deal with AAU, you're dealing with so many different types of programs as well as coaches. You know there are AAU coaches who who push their kids to stay in the Catholic high school or the public high school that they're in. Mm-hmm. They, you know they want to see their kid finish get that degree in four years. Um, you have other AAU guys who think that the schools are not providing what the, what the kid needs, either academically or maybe getting him enough exposure. And you know. Um, advising the kids to leave and, and to go there. And it's hard to really pin down and say this is what AAU is because there's so many programs and there's so many different coaches. And, you know, the, the ballroom do great things and help the high school coach. And then, you know, there's, there's, there's just enough that, you know, tend to um, manipulate the kids. I'll use that word. And, and, you know, maybe the kids go to the prep schools. You know, there's always the case, too, that if a kid leaves and goes to a prep school, maybe it is for the best reason. you know, Maybe he's in a neighborhood that um, is not a safe place for him, or maybe there's just too many distractions for him at home and he needs to be away at a boarding school. So it, it's, it's, it's not the worst thing to go to the prep school, but you know, what are the reasons for doing it?
0: Yeah, I hear what you're saying, and I think it's fair to say that uh, it's pretty much on an ad hoc basis according to the individual athlete and, and what his needs and situations are. But clearly uh AAU is is, is is a complicated monster, to be sure. I, I, I just want to ask you this, um, and, and this is sort of a delicate question, and I'll just say it because I'm not sure how to present it, but for me, there's always been sort of a, a presence of, of a, a stronger sense of discipline at the Catholic schools. Simply because if a kid or, or even a kid's parent misbehaves, uh, that youngster can be asked to leave the team and necessarily leave the school. That's not always the case in a public school, but, I mean, a sense of law and order seems to be more baked in in the Catholic League. Is, is that true? Is that your sense as well?
1: I think so. I mean, part of the reason why uh, is because the kids uh, are coming on a voluntary basis. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the parents are sending them there, they're coming to the school, they've picked and they chosen the school and uh, and i think just by the very nature of i'm picking a school i'm choosing a school i'm going to follow the school's rules by that by that very thing that it's it's easier to deal with the kids and the parents in terms of discipline you know they want to be there and they're going to follow the rules and of course they could always leave if 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 they don't and i mean you know, you could leave on your own if you want to
0: well i understood but i mean the fact is that it, it seems to be sort of as i said Sort of uh, understood that. Uh, hey, these are the rules. Uh, you have to obey them, and if you don't, well, there'll be serious consequences.
1: Yes, yes, for the most part, yes. And and again, I think that's because people want to come to the schools.
0: Uh, uh, well, let me, let's let's move on. Let's talk about the parents. Uh, you know, uh, going back to my my son John, he's been helping out the last couple of season, the uh, last couple of springs, over at at, at uh, Xavier High School here in in New York City as an assistant uh, to the head baseball coach, uh, Rich dufell and I have to tell you, I've seen some of the games. The parents, they seem to be extremely polite, well-mannered, don't seem to be in anybody's face. But that's not always the case, as you and I both know, when it comes to parents and, and kids and expectations. How much is that involved, uh, happens with, with the Catholic uh, sports programs?
1: We try to be proactive. Um, so we try to beat it to a head. You know, communications with the athletic directors, athletic directors communicating with their parents as well as with their coaches. Uh-huh. You know, Xavier a great example where you know Richie does a great job down there. It's a great school, and their parents all seem to be in, in you know in uh, in the same boat. You know, they all seem to to be on the same page, and and that they they really want to help out. And a lot of schools we we see that, and then of course you get the exceptions and. And then, and that's when you have the issues. But it's it's not it's 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 not that bad. I mean, it's gotten a little bit worse. But the good thing is we're able to control it through communication with with the schools directly.
0: Well, you know, I'm 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 glad to hear you say that uh, because particularly, I uh, would seem to me when you go into a parochial or a private school, where obviously the parents are paying the tuition or a good chunk of it, uh, there are going to be expectations. And uh, you know, in this day and age of entitlement. Parents have uh, sense well my kid is go- should be a star here, my kid should be you know the the big gun on the team, and how come he 's not getting more playing time uh, it, 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 it puts and this is obviously this is universal it happens everywhere of course, but um, I, I'm glad to hear that the the Catholic League is being proactive and trying to to make sure the parents know what what the story is and how it 's going to go down
1: Yes, um, you know parents are parents they 're emotionally involved with their kids, they love their children and they want what's best for their kids and when they don't see that happen sometimes bad behavior comes out and i think you know the the best way to handle that is for the schools themselves the teams themselves the athletic you know, departments, is to be on top of that right away and say this is how we expect you to act um and, and most of the schools do that with preseason meetings um, communications and, and I it's not a big issue it is an issue but it's not a big issue in our league
0: because you know as I said it is, as you listen to the show over the years it is a big issue everywhere and i um, as I said I'm not that aware of it so much in, in the in the, uh, in the parochial uh, arena uh, Kevin let me ask you this um, what about specialization in, in the in the in the uh, the CHSAA do you still see a lot of kids playing three sports, or just two, or just are they just playing one sport these days?
1: I think it's we have a reversal of the trend. I think it's gone from multiple sports to a couple of sports, one sport, back to multiple sports. Oh, really? I think so. Yeah, and I could be wrong about that, but I you know I see kids like you know two sport athletes and some three sport athletes, and I, and I and I'll be honest with you, I think part of it is because of people like yourself who have been talking about it and addressing it and parents see it and parents hear it and now realize that, hey, you know what? you know, It's not a bad thing for my son to be playing two sports in high school or three sports in high school.
0: Uh, that's that's encouraging to hear. I mean, uh, you know, I've been beating the drum for a long time about the fact that I understand the parents have a sense that well, if my kid specializes at a very early age in just one sport, that's going to give him or her uh, a jump on everybody else. But the truth is... There are no sort of long-term studies that, that really justify or substantiate that, and we all know that the odds of a kid going on to play, uh, get a college scholarship or to play at the pro level are pretty slim, so why don't the kid play a, a variety of sports, particularly when they're just starting out, because they don't know what sport they're going to be the best at as they get, go through their teenage years.
1: One of the great things in the CHSA right now, um, we always when we talk about CHSA, we think about basketball as being its premier sport, and we have a lot of great sports. But our track and field has as a big a tradition as as basketball does. And a lot of our kids who are involved in track, I think, are those two-sport, three-sport athletes. Mm-hmm. When they're out of season, mm-hmm. they go to track. And our track guys do a great job. Uh, and when you go to the meets, it's just amazing what they do at the meets. But my point is, is that with, with, with that really great track program that, that the CHSA has, it, it becomes an attraction to kids who are out of season, keep in shape to get stronger by going the track.
0: Makes a lot of sense to me. Uh, Well, Kevin, I wish I had more time to talk and ask more questions about you. Obviously, you're doing a terrific job at the helm of uh, the Catholic High School Athletic Association. And uh, Kevin, my thanks again for for joining us this morning. It's been very, very educational and most informative. And uh, hopefully I'll see you again real soon. Thank you very much. My pleasure. That, of course, is Kevin Piggott, the uh, president of uh, the CHSAA, and again, uh, great insight into an area which, quite frankly, I've known about, but really wanted to get some real detail, and I'm glad that he could join us. Okay, let me take a quick time out. I'll be back with more after this.
1: Big Wolf! Sports Radio, 101.9 FM. Fan! And Sports Radio 66, WFA, yeah.
0: Well, I thought that was a fascinating conversation this morning with Kevin about um, an inside look at the uh, the Catholic High School Athletic Association, and you know it's a different kind of priorities there, and and uh, obviously that's to be expected because uh, it is a uh, a parochial school, uh, and uh, as I said. I haven't gone through public schools myself and my kids as well. I'm always curious to know how how the parochial school works. Um, My my wife went through parochial schools from the time she was in kindergarten, right through college and high school, college, and her master's degree. So I have some familiarity. But it was really great to get Kevin's insight. Okay, that's going to do it for me in this edition of the Sports Edge. My thanks this morning to Tommy Lugauer and to Corey Aaron. Please stick around for Ed Randall. He is up next. I'll see you next week right here